there are many sides to all of us. And just imagine for a moment if you were put under the microscope, let's say for about four years where you had millions of people looking at your life and examining everything that you do, bringing an interpretation to all that you do. Some of those people love you. Some of those people hate you. Would you want to go under that microscope? Well, that is the microscope that President Donald Trump has been living under for the last four years. And in one way or another, he's been living under the microscope all of his adult life. But the past four years, he has been the president of the United States. That time may be coming to an end as I am doing this podcast. It is yet to be determined as the vote that happened on er, in early November and that continued some weeks after that is still up for debate as people are trying to uh, figure that out. And so it could be that his tenure as president is over or maybe he gets another four years. But one thing that we do know is that he has had four years, and he has been under the most intense microscope of any president of my lifetime, and I think it would be fair to say of any president in the history of the United States. Everybody has an opinion on Donald Trump, and he either excites and encourages some, or he discourages and triggers so many others that they, they really just detest him. But either way, he is under the microscope. And I, I was wondering what it would be like if we, you or me, lived under that type of examin- examination. Well, I wouldn't want it. There's no question about it. I have thought about his life over the past four years many times. And I, I thought, you know, there would be many times that I would just walk away. But he did not walk away for whatever reason, and he has endured to the end of at least his his first term. And there are some things that he is doing exceptionally well, and there are other areas where he needs improvement. And so in this episode, what I am going to do is I'm going to try in the most impartial way that I can share my opinion on a few vital metrics about Donald Trump. I want to take 10 elements of his life and just share an opinion about them, the pluses and the minuses. And I I trust it will encourage you. I also trust that it would cause you to make a personal assessment on your life because we are no different from him. There are some things that we do exceptionally well, and there are weaknesses in our lives. The one difference between us and him is that we are not under such an intense microscope, and I praise God for that because, again, I I don't want to be under that kind of intense examination, especially by people uh, who hate me. And so in this podcast, this is episode 278, the title of it is An Interpretation of the Political and Personal Life of Donald Trump. You can read what I'm sharing with you if you go to episode 278 on our Life Over Coffee podcast page where we have all 278 episodes with all of the show notes. 
and you can scroll through this massive library and and you can list, look and listen to other podcast episodes as well. But again, this is 278, an interpretation of the political and personal life of Donald Trump. Now, my desire here is to be impartial, and I am well aware that none of us are perfect. And if someone analyzed any of our lives on a granular level, it would reveal inconsistencies and hypocrisies and weaknesses, along with all of our more excellent traits, the things that we are nailing, the things that we are doing well. And President Trump is no different from the rest of us. He is a fallen man doing an impossible job. Now, as I share with you a few pluses and minuses about his political and personal life, I am purposely steering away from the motive of the heart matters, the motive of the heart opinions, because I don't have that degree of insight about his most authentic intentions. I don't judge people's motivations because, quite frankly, I well, I don't have that insight. That is a grade level higher than what God has given me. I cannot look into the heart and and tell you what a person's true motives are. And so as I share these things, I am steering away from the motive of the heart because, quite frankly, I do not know. Also, President Trump is one of the Lord's creations God made him in his image, and that is a caution. It's my caution to be careful about how I talk about him. Now, I apply this idea across the board, even with those with whom I disagree with on on different matters. I start with this individual was made in the image of God, and therefore it governs, by the grace of God, it governs my tongue on how I talk about them. And again, I do apply this rule with people, in in this case, in politics, with those who have politics and policies that are different from mine. Like, for example, President Obama. There are very few things that I agree with about President Obama as far as his politics and policies and some of the things that he has tried to push forward. But during the eight years that he was our president and the years after that, I have steered away from making uncharitable and unkind comments about him as far as his person is concerned. And it has been troubling to me because I remember back during his presidency that there were friends of mine and I would see their Twitter post and other posts as a talk about President Obama, and they do it in the most rude and uncharitable ways. And it it bothered me, but not only that, it just gave me an indication of their maturity. And quite frankly, they're immature people, the way that they talk about uh, certain people. And so whether it's President Trump, whom I do agree with on a lot of his policies, or President Obama, whom I disagree with on most of his policies, I I try to be careful about how I talk about either one of these individuals. I remember a number of years ago, we were at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., and we were talking to one of the security guards at one of the buildings, and I don't remember which one, but this lady uh, had been a 
uh, working for the Smithsonian since the days of President Nixon. And so it was a wonderful conversation, and I was just drilling her with all sorts of questions, and as much as she could or would let me know the answers to some of my questions, and it was quite instructive. We we, we got a kind of a behind-the-scenes tour standing there talking to this security guard, and she was a delight to talk to, and it was a quite enjoyable conversation. But I remember her telling me one time about, she was talking about the tunnels underneath Washington, D.C., and how some of the politicians, specifically the presidents, use those tunnels to get to different places quickly and also in an indiscreet, uh, in a discreet manner. And she was telling me about President Obama's children that uh, they, the way, Typically, the way that they would like go through the Smithsonian, that they would block it off, they would shut it down, shut the doors, and and not give regular folk access to it, so that they could come in and enjoy the Smithsonian. Because living a very public life as they do, it's hard for them to go out anywhere and to be themselves. And there was one incident where the girls, President Obama's girls, just wanted to be part of the group and. It was a little bit of a problem, but they they did it, and and they came in and toured the Smithsonian under heavy guard. But they just wanted to be part of of humanity, uh, rather than always being heavily guarded and surveillance and all all the the security details that are necessary for uh, people like that. And as I thought about his children, I, I just thought it was sad that how hard that is to be the child of such a highly public and controversial figure. And I think similarly about Barron Trump, the youngest child of President Donald Trump, that that's a very hard life, and I would not want to put that on my children. Now, in a much, much smaller microscopic way, we have had that discussions with our children because I, I do have a little bit of name recognition, a, a drop in the bucket compared to President Trump, of course. Uh, but we've had that conversation with our children, and there are aspects of that that they do not like. And it's one of the reasons that we steer away from Facebook and we don't have their pictures and so forth on some of those platforms for that very reason, because I want to give them a measure of security, a measure of normalcy, about how they live their life. And so I factor these things in. I may disagree with with you. I may disagree with certain individuals like some of our presidents, but how I talk about them, well, I, w- I want to be more sympathetic uh, rather than harsh and unkind. And it's rather unfortunate that, that some of us who name the name of Christ are, uh, we, we take immature and harsh public speaking Uh, positions against these individuals, and I'm not going to do that here with President Trump, and I have not done that with President Obama. Now, there have been areas with President Trump where he has been surprisingly good at his job. I'm going back to an article that I wrote over, I guess it's over four years now, when the choices were President Trump and and Hillary Clinton. And I remember clearly, I mean, it was a dilemma. And many of you were in the same dilemma. There was no way I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but (laughs) voting for Donald Trump, I mean, it is what what we would call a pig in a poke. Uh, We didn't know who this 
who he was going to be. He was a lifelong Democrat. Donald Trump's always been a Democrat. And here he is running as a Republican, Republican as a conservative. And it was a dilemma. And I, I said something to the effect that he's, he's either going to take the whole country to, to hell in a handbasket or he can be one of the greatest presidents that we ever had. And now after four years, as far as my opinion is concerned, as far as his policies are concerned, he could very well, when history uh, reveals decades from now, that he could be one of the best presidents that we have ever had as far as his politics are concerned. And so I have been remarkably surprised by uh, how he has governed, of course, with him. That's not the entire package, and that's that's part of are the problem because there's other there's not just aspects that he's done well, but there are other aspects that are a bit troubling to or should be troubling to all of us. And so what I want to do in this episode is I want to speak to 10 of those aspects, giving both the positive and the negative perspectives about President Trump. And I trust that these reflective thoughts will provoke you to examine your life as I have and will continue to examine my life, as well as your thoughts about President Trump and and those people who like him and those people who don't who, who dislike him, that we need to think well about all of these individuals and be very much guarded as far as how we communicate against this. You can, be, you can differ from a person, but how we communicate about them, that matters too. And so this is episode 278. I want to give you a personal interpretation of the political and personal life of Donald Trump. I have followed him more closely than any other president in my lifetime, which goes back to Dwight D. Eisenhower. Eisenhower. And I was only a year old at the time, and so I have no recollection of that, but I do like saying it because I am old and I love being old, and I love the fact that I have uh, been around for so many uh, presidents, but I've never paid as close attention to one as I have to Donald Trump. And we did go to a rally of his in Fargo, uh, Fargo, North Dakota, a few years back. And I've written about that. And that article is embedded inside the show notes here. And I would encourage you uh, to read it because it was, it was, it was illuminating uh, to be there and to be a part of that entire entire process. And so I would encourage you to read that. The 10 categories that I want to share an opinion about are in this order. Manners, racism, family man, marriage, love of country, politics, instincts, courage, legacy, and his followers. These are the 10 things. Let me jump right into them. I'm starting with manners. I want to give you my pluses and my minuses from my observations from listening to scores upon scores of podcasts, watching tons of videos, and reading a lot of material about him. His manners, the pluses, he is polite and kind and and considerate of others. I was listening to a podcast recently about a gentleman, a production type worker from Bakersville, uh, California, and the interviewer asked him, what, what was he like? And, and they said he was very kind and, and very gracious to me. And they said, how was he dressed? He was dressed in a, a sharp suit and and slick shoes, and he dresses like he always dresses. 
Uh, and he and they said, "How did he talk?" He said he talked like a man from from Queens, New York. Oh, by the way, and I think that's important as you think about Donald Trump. If you haven't spent time in New York City, uh, it would be hard for you to understand uh, that that's a critical piece of information about Donald Trump that you would not have if you haven't spent time not just in New York, but in Queens. There is a television view of New York, New York City, and the the five boroughs, but then there is a reality of New York City, and those two things are, are different. And when you go to New York, if you spend time there, and I've been there many times, uh, over the past 30-something years, uh, Lucia and I were engaged in New York City, and we have a lot of friends there, specifically in Queens. And so we've spent a good bit of time in New York. And the first time that I went in 1988, I was surprised. And that's where I realized that there's a difference between a TV understanding or a movie understanding of New York City and a, a true understanding of New York City. And there are two things that I would say about New Yorkers is that they are some of the kindest people that I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, they're just unbelievably. I mean, I, I realize that there's a seedy side to New York. I get it. There's a seedy side to, to all of our lives. And there's a seedy side to every one of our towns. I I do understand that, but that being said, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life were in New York City, and, I, and it didn't matter where we were. We were in Manhattan. I've been to Manhattan and Long Island and Brooklyn and Queens. It didn't matter where we were. I mean, people were just kind and gracious and helpful, and you could just have very long conversations, and I've had multi-hour conversations with New Yorkers, and uh, they're just by and large, they're really wonderful people. They love their city. And uh, so that's one thing. And then the other is that they're very opinionated. They're not like us Southerners. Southerners uh, will slice and dice you behind your back, and we're not that straightforward or direct to your face unless we're on social media. But as far as being on your uh, in your face, uh, no, it's called Southern hospitality, which is can be a slick way of saying that we're uh, we're hypocrites, and and many Southerners can be that way, but but Northerners and New Yorkers specifically are very direct. Now you take that personality and you put it into a president, well, uh, then it's uh, it, it's really off putting. It can be off putting. Now I don't find. New Yorkers being off-putting, to be honest with you, I find them to be rather refreshing because you don't have to read between the lines. I mean, you uh, what they what you see is what you get, what you hear is what you get, and I find that to be rather refreshing. Uh, but I have a a deep affection for New York City and the people of New York, and that's why I wanted to be get engaged in New York. I just I love that, I love the city and I love the people. And there is a politeness and a kindness, and I've seen this in our president. So that's the plus on manners. And then the minus, well, quite honestly, he's boorish. He's temperamental, he's petty, and he's crass. And this is well documented. And it's not a communication speech pattern patterns that I want to emulate, and it's definitely not what I want our children to emulate. And when we went away from the Fargo rally a, a number of years ago, as much as there was so much positive about that rally, but there were a few aspects like his cursing, for example, uh, that I told my children, I said, no, that's not how we, that's not how we communicate. We're not going to communicate this way. I don't want you to communicate this way. 
And so like the rest of us, we can be polite and kind and considerate, and he is. And I've heard other conversations, other people talk about this, about him, and I believe them. And I've seen it myself. And as this guy in Bakersfield was saying, said, no, uh, he didn't condescend. He didn't do what Hillary Clinton did, where she took on a whole nother dialect, a whole nother uh, tone of speech when she was reaching out to people that she was trying to win their votes. And so one of the things I respect about Donald Trump, which is a New York attitude, is that what you see is what you get. And he was very kind and very gracious to the person in Bakersville. And, and I've heard that many, many times. But yet we also know that he is boorish and he's temperamental, he's petty, and he's quite honestly, he's just crass. And so the assessment that I want to make and I would appeal to you to make is describe your good and bad manners and how can you change? Number one is manners. Number two is racism. Plus, there is absolutely no question that Donald Trump is not a racist. There's no question about it. There's nothing that would would document that. There's twisted documentation. There's twisted commentary. I'm not talking about that. But if you listen to what he actually says, he's not a, a racist. Uh, he has a son-in-law who is uh, Jewish. He has uh, his daughter converted to Judaism. Uh, I've I've heard uh, gay people talk about how he has interacted with them, and there's just no question that he's not a racist. And there's nothing else to say about that. On the minuses, his way of communicating does alienate folks. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier, his, his burishness, his, his temperamentalism, uh, his, his pettiness, his crassness, uh, that he does alienate. And I'm, not, I'm putting this in the racist category, but he's not a racist. But again, you don't have to be a racist, but you can communicate. It's what I was saying earlier about you know people, the way that they talk about uh, like, like say, uh, Barack Obama, for example, that they're not racist. I wouldn't see my friends who, the way they talk about him, I wouldn't see them as racist, but the way that they talk about him alienates folks, and that matters. The assessment under this category is how do you talk about those who disagree with your political beliefs? And I'm just using political beliefs, but you can insert anything there, religious beliefs. So how do you talk about those who disagree with you? And again, I see this among my Christian friends, is that people that they don't align with, they can be very harsh and unkind in the way that they talk about those individuals, and that's just quite unfortunate. So manners, racism, I'm going to go with the positives. He's polite, kind, and considerate, along with the minuses I mentioned. Racism, he's not a racist even though he does alienate. Number three, family man. I have heard several eyewitnesses talk about his love and leadership of his family, uh, that he it ties to his kindness and graciousness, that, that he's a good family man in some ways. But then obviously his personality uh, is not the best example for his family. And as I admo- warned, admonished my children that I, I would appeal to you not to talk like him. He is not a good example in many ways, and it's not something that you want to emulate. And so in some ways, like the rest of us, and this is really the point of the podcast, in some ways, like the rest of us, he's doing okay, and in other ways, he's doing poorly. Under family man, what is one way you can change so you're modeling a clearer picture of Christ to your family? 
if you name the name of Christ and you're not modeling a, a cl- the clearest possible picture of Christ to your family, what is one way you can change? And so family man, there are some elements where he's doing well. Marriage, he appears to love and care for his wife, Melania, and that too is documented, and it, it seems to be that way from all appearances, but the minuses are stark and dark. He was an adulterer. He's had multiple marriages, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody that's been divorced. I've been divorced as well, uh, but as far as his marital infidelity, which is the primary thing here, it's absolutely atrocious. Now, I also am aware that uh, we all have things in our closet, things that we have done in the past, and we don't want those things trotted out on the public stage. There are people that come to our community forums who are petrified by anybody knowing their name. They don't want anybody to know their name. They come under, uh, kind of like Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And I'm not throwing shade on you either. I'm just making a point that if if our skeletons in our closet were scrutinized like his, well, none of us would come out in public. And so, yeah, he, he's an adulterer or was an adulterer. There's no question about it. He has had multiple marriages, but it does appear that he cares for his wife, Melania. The assessment is, have you successfully repented of all your marriage failures? Number five, love of country. On a gut level, this is a plus, President Trump does love America, and I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, he has he has uh, become successful in America. He knows how he became successful. He knows why he became successful, and he knows it has a lot to do with the way that America has always been. And so on a gut level, regardless of what his motivations are, he loves America, and he wants to keep it as it has been, as far as the American dream is concerned. On the minus level uh, side, his attitude towards some Americans have contributed to the division in this country. Loving America and, and having such a harsh attitude toward Americans is a contradiction. And this is where we can assess ourselves. Here's the question for you. How does your affection for something alienate those who differ from you. Those who have affection for Christ, what is your attitude toward those who don't have affection for Christ? This is what I'm talking about. On a gut level, President Trump loves America, but yet his attitude toward those who don't love America has contributed to the ongoing division in our country. Number six, politics. President Trump is a historical Democrat, as I mentioned, who ran the country as a conservative. I don't care that he was a historical Democrat, but he did run the country as a conservative, and that is a positive in my view. On the minus, in some cases, he was petty toward those who disagreed with him, which hindered what he could have accomplished. He could have accomplished more if he was not so immature in certain areas of his personality. The assessment for you and me, are you petty toward some people? Number seven, his instincts. His, int- his intuition about the media, as one example, was absolutely superb. It's fake news. There's no question about it. He understands them. On, on an instinctive level, uh, he does have a lot of uh, gut-level insight 
and instincts about several things that he's just really just spot on. The minus, of course, in this area is that he was not a bridge builder with the media. You just can't attack people like that. I know they attack him. I, I get it. I get it. I understand it. But I can also throw out you turn the other cheek. And and however that should work in this instance, he was he was awful at it. He was not a bridge builder, even though his instincts about his in- enemies uh, were superb. The assessment here, has God given you insight toward someone or has God given you insight toward a demographic? Well, the question, how have you built a relational bridge toward those people that you differ with? Number eight is courage. President Trump has an amazing amount of, of courage to withstand the hate, more hate than any president in the history of this country. And that has a lot to do with social media is, is the amped up hate. But there's no question he has been under more hate than any other president. And that's why I said earlier in this podcast, I would walk away from it. I'd just say, forget about it. It's not worth all this. But in the minus, if you mix mix his courage with taking shots with people, and here's the assessment. Have you used boldness as a guise to demean others? Some people come across as courageous and bold, but they're tearing other people down. And he does that. Number nine, legacy. He has given conservatives a new way to stand against those who hate us and our country. Uh, He's given us a different kind of Republican politician. Uh, He has, and I, I hope that's his legacy. I really do. That we become more emboldened. Not harsh, not unkind, but more emboldened as his followers. I have one more point here, but we're at the end, episode 278. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.